Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is, and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. Welcome back, everyone. So today's episode, I interviewed my new friend, Nina Passero, and we actually met on Instagram, the good old Instagram. And I'm not sure who followed who first or how that whole situation worked out. So Nina lives in New York, which is one of my favorite states slash cities in the US. And then she also spends part of her time in the Amalfi Coast hosting retreats, which if you don't know where the Amalfi Coast is, it is in Italy, which also, if you don't know, I have a very deep-rooted obsession with Italy. I was there four years ago, and it was probably the most healthy, healthiest, I don't know what the proper grammar is there, that I've ever felt in my entire life, even though I was eating loads of carbs, calamari, pizza, pasta, wine, almost every night. But I don't know if there's, I don't know if it's something in the water or I think we actually talk about it. It's in the soil, the way that they grow their vegetables there. Anyway, Italy is amazing. And if you ever get an opportunity to go, you should definitely do so. But Nina and I sit down and we talk a lot about her practice and the retreats that she hosts. We talk about how to decipher emotions in our body, healing our body through healing emotional trauma, and why validating our feelings and emotions is a major key in health and overall wellness. I really, really enjoyed recording this episode, and Nina actually has another Amalfi Coast retreat coming up July 13th through the 20th of 2019, and I'm really, really going to try my best to make it. That's around the time of my dad's birthday, so I don't know what we have planned, but I may or may not be going. Well, I'm still trying to work out the details, but I think that it would be absolutely amazing to go. I saw all of... Nina's Instagram stories, which really made me want to reach out to her because she was hosting the retreat at the time. And I was seeing a lot of the activities and things that they were doing. And that is why I was so eager to interview her as a guest for the podcast. So I have included all of Nina's links below her Instagram, her website, and her Facebook page, along with the Amalfi Coast retreat dates and the link for the retreat as well. So you can kind of see what she has planned. But yeah, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. By the way, I do, I know that I said that I was going to put out another podcast 
podcast episode on Saturday or Sunday, but I needed a bit of a break. I, I think this is episode 10 or 11. So that means for the last 10 or 11 weeks, I've been editing the podcasts on the weekends on top of my regular schedule. So I just needed a bit of a break this weekend from editing and recording and putting together podcast stuff. So I'm most likely 90% sure that there will be an episode coming on Wednesday. That's just going to be a solo episode where I talk a bit more about my anxiety. Um, so yeah, I, I apologize for that, but I needed a, a little bit of a break there. So I got a new mic and new podcasting equipment, which I will talk about thoroughly in detail because it's actually quite funny. So stay tuned for that. And like I said, go ahead and hit the episode description notes and you'll be able to find all of Nina's links there. And I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hi, Nina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I you're in New York, right? I am. Oh, it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite <laughs> cities in the US. I love it. <laughs> it's actually like a really nice day out today. Oh really? Kind of gloomy and gray the past couple of days, so it's nice to have some sunshine. That's how it's been here in um California too. It's been like super overcast and rainy, but it's like muggy. Like it feels like um like Hawaii weather, like that tropical storm weather where it's like mm. humid, mm-hmm. which I know, I know New York gets like that too sometimes during yeah. the, the <laughs> summer. Um, so why don't you tell us what you do, who you are and what you do? So my name is Nina Pissarro and I am a wellness and transformation coach. And basically what I do is I work one-on-one with people and I create a container for them or a space where they feel safe enough to really dive deep and get vulnerable with themselves so they can get to the root of whatever is holding them back in in life. Um, So we really dig into people's subconscious and self-limiting beliefs, their fears, and kind of unravel the roots so that they can really heal their life. And by heal their life, I mean on a physical level, but also on a mental and emotional level, as well as an energetic and spiritual level. So I really look at all all three aspects of the human body, right? Because it's not just our physical body. We also have these emotional bodies and energetic bodies. So I take a look at all three. And from there, we really dig in. (laughs) We dive deep, as I like to say. Awesome. That's just, I love when coaches don't just focus on nutrition. Um, And Mm. I think this is becoming like more and more common. Um, I've even had like some health coaches on the podcast as well. And it's like, they are like, nutrition is only one facet of, of whole health. Like it really is more of a mental and energetic um, thing. I guess, for lack of a better term, like those are also important to the whole picture of of what your health looks like. Absolutely. And that's exactly why I started coaching and doing what it is that I do, because I realized 
that this was something that was missing. We as a society tend to hyper focus on one aspect. So even if you look at Western medicine, you look at doctors, everybody has their specialty, quote unquote, right? But when we hyper focus on one aspect, yes, that can be good. But at the same time, we're also missing a lot of other things that can be contributing. So I found that true healing really only took place when you were incorporating all three. Yeah, absolutely. I um, was listening to an interview a while ago. I can't remember the lady's name, but it was with this man. His name's Jonathan Fields. And he also has a podcast called The Good Life Project, which was one of the first podcasts I like started religiously listening to. And he interviewed a woman who was a, I want to say she was a OBGYN or maybe just a general practice um, um, doctor, but she basically started working in all of these different areas from like low income areas to like Ojai, California, which Ojai, California is, is known as like a very wealthy, wealthy town. And she said that it, you know, the, the patients that she saw when she was working in the lower um, socioeconomic areas had the same, the same health ailments that they did when they were in, when she was in Ojai. And she couldn't like figure out why, because she was like, well, these people who live in Ojai, like they can drink the $14 green juices, they can afford <laughs> the best medical care. Like, why are they having all of these issues? And she basically like boiled it down to, I mean, just to like make a long story short, she was like, you know, and when you go into a doctor's office, like your doctor only has about 12 to 15 minutes. I don't know if that's the correct term, but it was like a very short amount of time mm-hmm. um, to, to speak with you. And she was like, and it wasn't even about some of those ailments. Like some of them was like, well, my son's an alcoholic and I don't know how to deal with it, or I'm really unhappy in my marriage and I don't know how to you know, get out of my marriage, or I'm in the wrong career field. And so because they had all of this emotional distress, it was causing all of these, these diseases in, in, in people. And so I think that that's, a, I think a shift for sure, needs to happen in our in our healthcare system. I mean, not to get into politics, but like <laughs> just in general, I think that I it, it needs to shift to be like, what are the underlying emotional stressors that are causing these physical ailments. Absolutely. And I found in my work and my experience personally that all illness stems from emotional roots. And I know that sounds really really woo-woo and out there. And in the beginning, I didn't even believe it. But now I'm at a point where I absolutely 150% without a doubt believe that all illness, whether that's, you know, a disease, you know, you get a cold or you get an actual injury. I believe it all stems from emotional roots. So when you're not dealing with your emotions, um, it's going to manifest in a physical way. And part of the problem is that nobody is ever taught emotional intelligence. So we go to school and we learn all these things about history and math and English and yada yada, but nobody is teaching us how to identify emotions in our body. And so many of us feel so many things, but we don't know how to identify what it is that we're actually feeling. And these things just go left, you know, untalked about 
and eventually manifest into something greater where your body has been asking for help or trying to give you signals and you're just not like, you're not picking them up oh, and yeah. your body has to then move to a more drastic measure, which then is physical. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I even know in myself, like when I'm pushing it too hard, when I'm working too much, I definitely begin to feel it in my body. Like my neck gets tight. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel super, super tired. I can't focus. Like your body is sending you signals all the time. And like you were saying, like, we're just not aware of them. Like either we're not aware or we do notice them, but we're just like, you would just ignore all the, the signals. <laughs> right. Right. And then what happens is people wake up one day and they have cancer and they're like, Oh my God, how did this happen to me? You know, I eat healthy. I work out. I do whatever. Well, you can do all the workouts you want. You can eat all the organic food you want, but if you're not dealing with your emotions properly, mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you're eating or what exercises you're doing. You can yeah. seem physically healthy on the outside, but if you're not emotionally healthy and mentally healthy, that's where the problems come in. And this is, you know, what I see more and more of these days is just everybody popping up with another illness. And yes, part of it is environmental, but a large, large portion of it, majority of it comes from um, the emotions. And this is what I teach my clients. Most of my clients tend to be very empathic people and they don't even know it. Um, so we start by learning how to build awareness and through that awareness, being able to identify, and are these my own emotions? Are these the emotions of somebody else? And how do I differentiate and how do I deal with it? Yeah, absolutely. So I know we talked a bit about, um, westernized medicine and I was really fortunate my mom was like my mom had like back issues like with her low I think her lower or upper back I don't remember so she would always you know she didn't want to be on like painkillers and like on a whole regimen of things just to kind of take care of her back kind of thing mm -hmm. um so she started going to like acupuncturist and like chiropractor so I feel like kind of what most people would consider like radical <laughs> forms of treatment have always been very normal for me because I grew up with that. And I started mm -hmm. seeing an acupuncturist when I was like, I don't know, 15 or 16, very, very young. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <and> I was <laughs> like jealous. on herbs. Like it was like the craziest thing. Like people were always like, what are you doing? Why do you have to leave early? And like, I get needles stuck in my body <laughs> for an hour. Um, but um, what was I even saying? Oh, the westernized medicine. So you kind of had your own experience with, with some health issues and westernized medicine. So why don't you kind of dive into that? Yes. Oh, okay. So that's really <laughs> what set me on this journey. So growing up, especially as a teenager, I had been on a ton of antibiotics. I was always getting sick. I uh, had mono and I was sick in bed for two months, literally got exempt from all my finals in high school. Um, and then I had H. pylori, which is a bacterial infection in your stomach and your small intestines. And that eventually led to me having recurrent strep throat where I needed to get my tonsils removed. Oh my gosh. Um, so I was just listening to the doctors, you know, I didn't know anything at, at this point. Um, and I was trusting my doctors. And and once I had my tonsils removed, my 
health just really started to plummet. My hair was falling out in clumps. My gums would be bleeding, you know, just sitting in the car driving. I would taste blood in my mouth. And then it got to the point where my stomach was just a mess. I couldn't eat anything. Like I would take a bite of something and I would be in so much pain. I started losing incredible amounts of weight and it was just a disaster and nobody could really give me answers. Um, they were just like, okay, let's try this medicine. Let's, you know, do this test. And I got to the point where I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired and not getting answers. So I set out on this journey to heal myself. And I was just like, forget everybody. <laughs> I need to take my health into my own hands and I'm going to figure this out myself. So I started researching and I started looking into food and herbs and learning about GMOs and just herbs, all these things that I had no idea about. So I started to change my diet and I noticed that my stomach was getting better. And shortly after that, I got diagnosed with PCOS. And when I was diagnosed with PCOS, they were like, you have to go on birth control, you know, right away. You know, when you want to have kids, we're going to have to have a discussion about it. You might not be able to have them. And I was like, hell no, I'm meant to be a mother. This is not happening. So I walked out of the office and I basically never went back and I got in my car and I cried. And I let myself be sad for a little bit. And then I went to Whole Foods and I was like, okay, now I'm going to figure out what foods I need to eat to figure this out. And long story short, I ended up healing myself from all of my stomach issues and my PCOS through herbal medicine, acupuncture, and the world of energy work and spirituality. And I knew nothing about energy work. I had no idea that this realm even existed and it completely changed my life. I woke up one day, I remember it was late September of 2015, I believe. And I was like, Oh, I need to learn Reiki. And I had no idea what it was. I never had a Reiki session before, but I just had this intense feeling that I needed to know it. And uh, shortly after that, I found my Reiki master and I started the process of um, becoming a Reiki practitioner myself. And the healing that came from um, Reiki alone was just so profound. Memories and emotions started coming up that I didn't even realize were buried so deeply or were even there. And I think that this goes for a lot of people because we aren't taught emotional intelligence, how I said before, and we don't know how to identify what we're feeling in our bodies. We tend to just push it down, push it down, push it down because we're like, well, I don't know what this is. I can't handle this right now. I need to do X, Y, and Z. I'm too busy for this. And we just push all of these things down and we get to the point where our bodies can't handle this anymore. So, for me, that's exactly what happened. All my illnesses, I can now relate back to emotional uh, experiences. So I was in a very abusive relationship as a teenager, sexual trauma. I was a cutter for many years and nobody in my life knew about any of this. So that was so deeply suppressed within me that 
eventually my body couldn't handle it anymore. Um, so a combination of the physical aspects such as changing my diet and doing things like acupuncture, but also then incorporating the emotional and energetic practices such as meditation and breath work and Reiki and sound healing. That's what really brought me full circle. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible to even think about that. So what was the timeline of you finding out that you had some of these ailments and really healing yourself. Because I think the reason I asked that is because for us, like, right, like time kind of becomes like very elusive. I think in these, in these conversations, like, yeah, (laughs) where, where people think like, Oh, I just changed my diet. And then in like a month, things will be different. (laughs) Like you were saying, I mean, and I even know this with like mindset work is it's like, it's not an overnight thing. It's not even a month long thing or three month long thing. Um, Yes, shifts can happen, but I know we're going to talk about it later about like action and behavior. Um, But sometimes these things, they take the progression and the healing, like it takes, it takes time. So what was that timeline like for you for, for learning about diet and learning about Reiki and, and all of these things. I'm so happy you brought this up because it's such an important topic that I talk about with my clients all the time. So anybody that works with me knows that I always talk about baby steps. It is all baby steps. And we want it. We want everything here and now. We want it to be done. We live in a society that's fast-paced, instant gratification, and everybody just wants a pill to fix it all. <clears throat> And that, that's not the purpose of life. That's not why we're here. We're here because of the journey, right? If we just could get from point A to point B with a blink of an eye, what, what's the point of that, right? Yeah. The whole purpose is the journey itself. And, and learning patience and what you learn in the process of waiting, right? Um, and of taking these baby steps because it's all building blocks to the foundation. But going back to your question of what my timeline looked like, I got my tonsils taken out in June of 2013. And I had what I call my rock bottom moment in late August, early September of 2013. And by January of 2014, that's when. I started diving into the research and changing my diet. Um, And then the fall, I'm sorry, I had said 2015 about Reiki before, but it was actually the fall of 2014. Um, So by the fall of 2014, that's when I had learned about Reiki and started diving into that. So here we are now in 2018, about to be 2019. And I feel like I am just now really have come full, full circle in terms of my health. Of course, there's always going to be things to work on, Mm -hmm. but I'm finally at this point now where I'm so grounded in my body and I know that I have me, like I know I got me. But in terms of, you know, how long did it take for my stomach to heal? I would say it took about two to three years. It took about a year and a half uh, to get rid of, I think, all of my cysts that, from the PCOS. Um, and then another year probably to really normalize and 
you know, regulate my period because it was all out of whack for a while there. So these things really do take time. So I've been on this health journey for, you know, five, six years now and I'm still uncovering stuff, but I would say for, for the past, um, year, solid year to year and a half, I have felt very stable in my health. Um, but it definitely took about three, four years for me to really start to feel good again. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and with that, like I said, it was also uncovering the trauma, the deeply rooted trauma that I had was a major part of this healing. So, you know, talking about my cutting and, and healing the root of that and talking about my rape and healing the root of that, um, those were major, major components in my abilities, in my body's ability to heal itself. Because like I said before, I could be eating all the right things, all the superfoods, all the mushrooms, all the whatever. <laughs> but until I started dealing with the emotional root of everything, that's when I was really able to heal. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, like, I think when people hear like three to four years, they're like, I can't wait that long. And it's like, I mean, I, like you were saying, I think baby steps are so, so important. Right. Um, I think sometimes we like try to shoot for, for like the stars. Like we're like, oh, we're going to, you know, work out every single day for 365 days. And then four days in, you're like, oh shoot. <laughs> like, well, what and, did I get myself into? And, and I, I, I want to bring something up about that also. I gained about 25 to 30 pounds in this whole process. Now that in itself was such a trigger for me because I had very deeply rooted body issues and issues with shame, um, which rooted back to childhood. So that was incredibly difficult for me. However, now looking back in hindsight, the the reason why I gained this weight was because my body was trying to protect itself. One, my body didn't feel safe because I hadn't been dealing with uh, my sexual trauma, but also because my body needed this weight to heal. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. They push their bodies to an incredible limit, an incredible extreme where their bodies can't heal. So they, they're going to the gym and working themselves out so hard, but their body literally cannot heal in that type of setting. Mm -hmm. You have to be gentle with yourself. And as much as I wanted to work out and I wanted to lose weight, I couldn't do it. I, my body just was like, nah, we ain't going to the gym today. And, and, <laughs> and that, that was that was a huge part of, of my healing process. And I think this goes for a lot of people is honoring what your body's telling you because so mm -hmm. many times we go against what our body's telling us because we want to reach a certain goal, but people don't realize that they're actually inhibiting themselves when they keep pushing themselves. They're actually be going getting farther away from their goal by pushing their body and making it going to gym, 
to the gym and do all these things that it's not. Yeah, a huge part of healing is listening to your body and honoring your body, what your body is telling you. Yeah. Even if that means gaining weight, which so many people have an issue with, even if that means gaining weight, it's something that you have to respect. And that in itself is so much of the healing. And once you can do that and unlock that, it will be so much easier to move ahead and to continue the healing journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, I think uh, kind of, I mean, on Instagram, you always see like the Insta fit models and like, oh my God, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I respect the work that they do. And I think, um, I think, I mean, I shouldn't speak for most people, but I would say that I think the intention is good. Like they're trying to be inspiring and motivating, Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I don't know how to, like, actually describe this or, like, if there's even a term, but you can tell when someone is unhealthy. Like, even if they're, like, drinking, like you were saying, drinking the green juice, drinking, you know, the, the mushrooms and, you know, <laughs> kale and, like, going gluten-free, it's, like, you can tell in their eyes and in their facial expressions, like, are they actually happy? Like, I think when, when there's someone who's healthy and like you were saying, like getting comfortable and like rooted in your, in your body, like you can see that. I think, I don't know how to describe it. I think it's oh, 150%. I, agree. I, I think it's on like an energetic level where you're just like, wow, this person is literally glowing. Um, yes. and that I think it does have to do with health. Like I'm not saying go out and eat like Jack in the box and Taco Bell and like think that you can, you can get away with that, um, on a daily basis. But I think that it, it does have something to do with, with how they, how they are just as a person and what they've healed from. Um, because we all have traumas, like that's the reality. Like we've all had traumas, whether they're sexual or, um, or anything, anything else. So it's just how our, how we kind of like internalize it and how, and I think emotional intelligence is huge. And I wish, I so wish that they taught that in school from like an elementary level. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think that our world would be a much, a much different place. 100%. I agree with you. And I, I agree with what you said about the traumas. We all have traumas and we cannot compare them. We absolutely cannot compare them because everybody's life and everybody's experiences are so different. So one trauma is not more difficult than another, even though our society loves to compare them and say, oh, well, this happened to this person and this happened to them. No, because you weren't there, right? Yeah. Who's, I hate I hate that say. Go ahead. Who's to say that, you know, my rape was, you know, was more difficult than somebody else having to deal with the divorce of their parents? I don't know because I haven't, my parents aren't divorced. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that pain is like. So I can't compare it. It's just like, I say this all the time to my clients. You can't compare intelligence either because, okay, somebody went to Harvard and they're a great businessman. And we say that they're super intelligent, but who's to say that the mechanic down the street isn't just as intelligent? The guy from Harvard knows nothing about mechanics. Right. Right? So how do you compare intelligence? How do you compare pain? You can't, in my book, right? 
So I don't think that, you know, trauma is, should ever be deemed as one is worse than the other because it's all relative to your life and your experience. Yeah. I hate that phrase. I agree with everything you just said, by the way, sorry. (laughs) Um, but I hate that phrase like, oh, well, it could be worse. Like if you have, like, like you were saying, like someone loses a job or their parents get divorced or like, they're like, oh, well, it could be worse. I'm like, no, like it, that's, I feel like that's invalidating. Is that even a word? Invalidating exactly. like their feelings. Like exactly. if you're feeling shitty and crappy, it's okay to feel that way. Like just a side note, like we're not saying that like you should be happy 24, 7, 365. I have my own um, beliefs around happiness because I don't, I think that we strive to be in this like euphoric state all the time. And to me, that's not what happiness is. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think you have to, if something bad happens to you, you cannot compare it to anything anyone else has been through and say, oh, well, it could be worse. Well, it's not worse. It's what it is. Like, accept what's going on and feel shitty and crappy about it that's okay but you have to like learn like you're saying I think it's so much about learning to move through what you're working working with and I think the more confident and comfortable you feel with yourself and your body the more things that arise that are difficult you're like I'm gonna be okay like mm-hmm. I know that this is gonna like okay this sucks right now like I might be getting divorced or losing my job or have you know some health diagnosis but you're like it's okay like I I'm human and I think we're way more resilient than we give ourselves credit for sometimes absolutely and I'm glad you brought up validation because that is such a huge um, topic that I feel doesn't get talked about enough because that is the root of so much of our pain is that we don't feel validated. We don't feel seen. We don't feel heard. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's where I find in many of my clients, the root of, you know, their issues lie is in childhood when you didn't feel validated or you didn't feel seen or you didn't feel heard. And that is part of the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Like when parent, basically like an example of that would be like when parents tell their kids, don't cry. Like, why are you crying? Oh my gosh, I hate that. <laughs> like, I was like, yes, cry. It's okay. Let yeah. it Yeah. And I mean, I, and again, like not to put parents down because I think parents, at least I know I can speak for my parents. I know that they did the best that they could do from what mm-hmm. they knew. Um, but after a certain point, and I always tell this to people, like no matter how bad your parents messed you up, um, I think after a certain age, our maturity level, I guess, like that's on you. Like you got to go to therapy. You got to work. You have to take ownership. You have to take ownership. Like you can't walk around being a shitty person for the rest of your life. Like, and in these like tumultuous relationships, just because like your parents did some stuff like, right. You know, I think you have to take ownership for it. Exactly what you said. Exactly. And this is what I call externalization. Um, we, as a society, <laughs> we tend to externalize everything. We place the blame outside of ourselves. So nobody, I don't want to say nobody, because there are people out there who do um, take extreme ownership for their life and, and responsibility for what's happening to them. But um, I see it a lot that 
we like to place the blame outside of ourselves and we don't take the responsibility for actions. We'll say, oh, well, this person did this to me and this happened to me. And no, if you want to heal your life and you want to change your life, you better get ready to take extreme ownership of your life and take responsibility. You better get ready to own your life. Yeah. Because that's the only way that you're going to heal. And if I was still placing the blame outside of myself for my abusive relationship and, you know, my cutting and all these things, I would not be where I am today. Yeah. I had to take my responsibility in that because you know what? Who chose to stay in an abusive relationship, even though I saw the red flags? Me. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, I had that's not an easy thing to do, but that's what needs to be done, in my opinion. You need to take ownership. You need to take, not that, you know, it's all your fault. That's not what I'm saying that you have to take it on. Uh, it's my fault that this happened to me, but just owning it and saying, yes, this did happen to me, and I'm going to move forward and do what I need to do to heal it. Because yeah. nobody else is going to heal it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we kind of like, this, and again, it goes back to society. <laughs> um, but I think like the think of like the Disney movies, right? Like the princess is always waiting for like the guy on his white horse to show up. And it doesn't have to be like a guy, like it could be anything or anyone um, like to come and save her from this traumatic thing that she's just experienced. And it's like, I hate to break it to you, but you have to be your own white knight <laughs> coming to save you because mm-hmm. that's, that's the only way that you kind of, that you kind of get through it. Um, right. And this goes back to your health as well, right? Because you have to take ownership of your health. You have to take your, your health into your own hands. And there, there is a doctor, her name is Dr. Jess on Instagram. And she always says, you are your own best doctor. And I 100% believe that because you know your body best. Nobody else can tell you what it is that you're feeling inside. Yes, I might be able to teach you how to identify certain things and help give you the, the verbiage and the vocabulary to describe what it is that you're feeling inside and help you identify that. But at the end of the day, you need to show up and do that work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, one of the things, and I know I'm saying, speaking from just my own experience is when you were saying about accepting responsibility for these things. um, And I know for me, like when I realized like, oh, I really need to work on my anxiety and I really need to like step away from this really unhealthy corporate environment. This is not for me. And like, I had to really accept like where I was at in life and like what I was doing. And that was really difficult for me. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, I realized like, even though like all of this bad crap has happened to me, it doesn't make me a shitty person. It doesn't make me any less of a human being or any less deserving of love or success or any of the things that you aspire to have. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that that's such an important thing because oftentimes we think um, that, oh, we accept responsibility for these things, that we're somehow like a horrible person, a monster, 
or whatever term you want to use to kind of glorify, <laughs> glorify that. Right. Um, but that's not the case at all. So I think if you can accept responsibility for where, for the things that have happened to you, I think it actually makes you a better person. And I think people who are really willing to own up to their mistakes and own up to, to some of the things that are less than desirable that that's happened to them. Um, I trust those people way more than someone who has a picture perfect Instagram feed or, <laughs> or, or anything of, of that nature. Absolutely. And that's kind of why I use the word taking ownership more so than anything, because it's not, like I said, it's not, not that it's your fault. You're just owning that this is what happened. and when you do that, it shows that you're ready and willing to show up and do the work. And I think part of this whole, you know, taking ownership is the vulnerability aspect. And I think vulnerability can be very misunderstood as it's looked at as a weakness. But when you own up to your faults or your mistakes or whatever your story is, when you own it, and you allow yourself to be vulnerable, that is the true strength. Because how many of us, how many people out there are just pushing it to the side and not dealing with it? They're not owning it. They're not getting vulnerable. They're not getting real, right? And they're just trying to get through their day to day and just make it work, but they're not truly happy. When you take that ownership and you make that decision to get vulnerable and get real that's when you have the power that's yeah. when your life changes yeah I mean there's a difference between surviving and thriving and I think when you're kind of just pushing things to the side and just trying to get it done um, and get a paycheck so you can pay your bills and maybe like take a vacation once every five years like to me that's just surviving like you're just going through the motions mm -hmm. of being a human being uh, on on earth um, but I think for so many people, like when you do really get vulnerable, I think you also begin to realize like what's actually important to you. Like, is it okay. having the corner office in like a high rise building? Is it climbing the corporate ladder? Is it getting all the degrees and certifications? Like, are those things actually important to you or are they just things that you need to like have a job or move up or whatever? But I, like for me, when I began to realize like, wow, like I value myself and like the life that I'm going to live and the impact that I could potentially have on the community and on the world, like that to me is way more important than trying to get to the next position higher than where I'm at right now. Um, right. And so I think it really comes back to like what you value. And I think people are like, oh, I value my health. And it's like, well, which part of your health? Like, is it just the nutrition? Like, are you counting calories obsessively? Are you like, like, how is that, how is that adding value to maybe a larger vision or a larger value that you have for yourself? And I think that, you know, just to add on to that, people don't take the time to even ask themselves, what do I want? A lot of times, most times I sit down with my clients and I'm like, let's define what happiness looks like to you. Let's define what success looks like to you. Let's define what love looks like to you or what it feels like to you. Because we are so 
worried about what it looks like on the outside and how other people are going to perceive it that we don't really take the time to ask ourselves, well, what is it that I actually want it to look like? Oh my gosh. Because success (laughs) is relative to you and your experience. Happiness is relative to you. Love is relative to you. It doesn't have to look like what Joe Schmo's happiness looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought that, brought that up because I literally just, I'm um, doing a podcast um, interview tomorrow. My friend's interviewing me. And that was like, he's like asking me more about my anxiety and like mental health and all of that. And one of the things that I talked about that I kind of put in my notes that I wanted to bring up was that I had to ask myself some pretty hard hitting questions when I quit my job and realized like, oh, I need to confront my, this anxiety that I'm, that I'm really, really dealing with. And some of those hard hitting questions were like, what does success look like to me? What is happiness? Like, how do I want to show up in the world? Who do I want? Mm-hmm. Who do I want to be? And I read this book um, called Road to Character by David Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about resume virtues and eulogy r- r- virtues. And like, when I started reading that, I was like, holy crap, like, yeah, I don't think people are going to remember me as like the girl who had Tory Burch flats and <laughs> drove a, a nice car or like had a corner office. Like, how did I treat these people? Like, was I kind? Was I compassionate? Um, was I a good friend? Like, was I a good daughter? Like in, in some relative terms, right? Like not mm-hmm. being a people pleaser. But yeah, I think having to sit down and really ask yourself those questions, it can be a recipe for an existential crisis, but I think, um, (laughs) so much, there's something so much greater that comes out of having that conversation with yourself, because a lot of the times those things are defined for us, right? Like, oh, you go to college, you get a job, you buy a house, you get married, you have kids. The shoulds. Yeah, the shoulds. Like my therapist that I went to, um, he was like, let's take should out of your vocabulary completely. I just and I guess they have talked this- about this on my Instagram story yesterday. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, about how I tell all my clients, get should out of your vocabulary. Right I now. love it. Yeah, he was like, you need to stop shoulding all over your life. And I was like, that was perfect because it was like, yeah, oh, I should be doing this. I should be here. I should be at this point in my life. And it's like, okay, well, you're not. That's actually the resistance. That's actually what's Mm -hmm. holding you back. It's all the shoulds that hold you back. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so funny that you brought that up because it's 100% 100 true. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about um, the retreats that you do? Yes. So I started running wellness retreats, but they're not your typical wellness retreats because I am diving into all the things that I dive into in my coaching. So looking at your physical health, looking at your mental and emotional well-being, looking at your energetic and spiritual well-being. So what I kind of have coined my phrase to be is that I help people switch off autopilot and reconnect to who they are. So the retreats are exactly that. It's time for you to switch off autopilot and really reconnect to all the things that we talked about. So redefining what love is, success, happiness to you, redefining your health, 
right? Your relationships with yourself and with others. And it's just this really special time to dive deeper into you, but in a safe environment, somewhere where you feel supported and nourished. Because part of the problem is, is that people might want to do the work they might want change they know that they're craving more but they don't know where to start or how to begin and that's why I started coaching right but to give people that starting point you just have to know that you are desiring change or that you're desiring growth so a spin-off of the coaching has now become my retreats and I do it in my hometown in Italy so I live you know back and forth between New York and the Amasi coast in Italy so the retreats are there and it's really just such a magical place. Now I might be a little bit biased because it's, you know, my home, but there's just something about it that is so profound. You have these huge mountains and cliffs and then you have this gorgeous turquoise blue water and it kind of is just so representative of life itself, right? Mm -hmm. So you have these highs and you have these lows. It's the ebb and the flow, right? We're constantly in this ebb and flow. And just like I said before about life is the journey, right? Mm -hmm. Part of that journey is the ebb and flow. If things were perfect all the time, how would we learn? How would we really get to know who we are and what we want. Mm -hmm. So my retreats have just really become this sacred experience for both men and women, because I think that men need this just as much as women do. And there's not really as much of a space for them to kind of open up about these things or get vulnerable, right? So yeah. a woman can just kind of walk into a yoga class or go to like a women's full moon circle or whatever and kind of talk about her emotions and it's much more acceptable. But for a man to do that, it's not really that available to them. So I really wanted to create a neutral environment for men and women. And the Amalfi Coast is just perfect for that, right? Because everybody can find the beauty and it doesn't matter if you're a guy or if you're a girl. Um, there's so much for everybody to do. So it's a combination of like doing the inner work through workshops and there's Reiki and yoga and things like that. Everything's obviously optional, but then there's also the free days where you can do excursions like hiking or, you know, paddleboarding or windsurfing or going on like private boat tours or cliff jumping. So it's just to me the perfect combination of everything and is very symbolic at the same time for what it is that I'm trying to help people work through. Yeah. So I one, I don't think you're biased because <laughs> the Amalfi Coast is absolutely gorgeous. I was there in 2014, I think. I, we stayed in, we were in, we had an apartment in Sorrento and then we took like the boats out. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just, Italy is one of my favorite countries to start with. But then like the Amalfi Coast is absolutely magical. And that's kind of how I found Nina. Actually, I don't even know. I know that we 
followed each other on Instagram, but I don't know like how everything started, but she was like posting these like gorgeous Snapchats of Italy all the time. And I was like, oh my God, I am so jealous (laughs) Um, because I wish that I could be in the Amalfi Coast like six months out of the year. That would, that's like the dream. That's the goal. Um, But the second thing that I wanted to circle back to was we talked a little bit about this action, what you call action knowing gap. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is so important because you can literally read all of the books, all take all of the courses, hire all of the coaches, go to the doctor, whatever you want, whatever it is that you do. But if you do not start actually taking action on the things that you're learning, you're never going to improve. And so I think that's exactly what Nina was kind of, was kind of saying is like, maybe you know about some of these things um, that you need to do for your health or your emotional well-being, but you may be lost in like, well, how do I actually apply this knowledge? And I think that that is the essence of what Nina does with her clients is helping them understand how to actually close that action knowing gap. Yes, 100%. And that's, you know, another aspect to why I started the retreats as well, because that's, it's almost like an entry point, right? It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go on this like really beautiful vacation and kind of pamper myself, but at the same time, learn how to start putting into play what it is that I'm learning. And that's a huge um, aspect of my coaching and what I do on the retreats because people go on retreats and then, and they go home and they're back to their life. And it's like, well, how do I actually integrate everything that I just learned or this like amazing relaxing experience that I just had? So what I call the action knowing gap is when you know something's not good for you or you know that there's a habit that you want to change, but you just can't bring yourself to do it. And then you start feeling guilty and you're hard on yourself. And you're like, why, why am I doing this? Like, So for example, my personal experience for one of my, you know, action knowing gaps was I knew gluten didn't make me feel good, but yet I would still eat it. And I would feel so sick after and be like, why do I do this to myself? Like, I know it doesn't make me feel good. Why, why can't I do it? It was, it felt like it was something bigger than me, something that I couldn't control. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Right. But what I tell my clients is you have to get to a point where you're internalizing the knowing. So just because you know something doesn't mean that you've actually internalized that information and really digested it. Right. So what that looks like for me was, okay, knowing the gluten didn't make me feel good eating it anyways. And the process of me closing that gap was taking it a step further and digging into why am I having such a difficult time? What is behind this? Because it's not actually the gluten. It's not actually the bread Mm -hmm. or the pasta. So what is it that's behind it? And what I ended up realizing was there was a lot of emotions and memories tied to the act of eating a dish of pasta or having bread and butter. And it connected back to my family and that love. So growing up, I always 
just sat down at the dinner table with my parents and we all shared a meal together. And that was always my favorite part of the day, even as a kid. And when I got to the point that I was, you know, trying to heal my body and, and get better, I couldn't do that anymore. I was eating different than my family. I was vegan for a, for a while and I was gluten free and I couldn't share in meals with them anymore. So when I did have the rare, you know, holiday or opportunity where my entire family was together to sit down and eat, I wanted so badly to feel that love or relive those memories that I had that were connected to the act of eating the pasta together, eating the bread together, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what was at the root of all of this. It was that I was craving that emotional um, void, right? So I was trying to fill that void, I should say, with mm -hmm. the... So the underlying issue was I wanted that feeling of love. I wanted, I missed the experience of being able to share things with my family, but it was coming through as, oh, I want to eat gluten. I just yeah. want to dish a pasta, right? So subconsciously, I thought that eating the pasta or eating the bread would bring those memories back and bring those feelings back and, and be emotionally satisfying, emotionally fulfilling but it wasn't. So until the point where I realized all this, that's when I finally was able to be like, oh, I actually don't really care about the gluten and I could do without it. But it took me realizing this, this void first, right? Because you have to bring awareness to it. So then in those moments when I wanted the gluten, I could say, okay, well, how else can I emotionally satisfy myself? How else can I fill this void without eating the gluten? Hmm. I think that's so powerful to have that realization. It, it definitely was. It was huge for me. Um, and it, it was such a catalyst in what I do now, for what I do now, because I help my clients, you know, with their struggle. I help them close their action knowing gaps, right? So you initially don't, know to look on the other side of it or say look on the other side of it right but like what's the root of this issue mm -hmm. so how do we close this action knowing gap and that's going to look different for everybody absolutely i think there's also a term that might be a bit of a synonym i'm not sure uh, but there it's called a cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. gap mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the easiest way that i can explain that is like smokers right like if you, like, literally everyone on the planet knows that smoking a cigarette is horrible for you, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, but they, people continue to do it, and the one of the reasons why it's such a hard habit to break, other than nicotine, right, because you have a physiological response to nicotine, but is because the habit actually is, there's something that triggers the habit, mm -hmm. and kind of like what you were going back to, like, what does the cigarette represent to them, like, why are they smoking, like, there has to be, there's that cognitive dissonance gap between like, you know that it's wrong, but you're doing it. And then so in between those things, like if you look at it from like, there's two different, I guess, like mountains, like in between, there's actually something there that's like causing you to continue to smoke the cigarettes, even if you, if you know it's bad for you, or like in your case, eating the pasta 
to fill that sense of, right. of, of love and connection with your family, but then also feeling bad after mm-hmm. seeing it. So it's really, it's really interesting how our subconscious mind really does is the driver. Um, we think mm-hmm. it's our conscious mind, but it's actually our subconscious mind that's the driver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead. And with um, with smokers, I've found that a lot of times their their cognitive dis- dissonance, if if we want to use that word, right there, the reason why they have trouble closing their action knowing gap is, and I'm not saying that this is for everybody, but just a couple of people I've come across in my experience is right. They want to breathe. Ah, uh, that makes sense. So somewhere in their life, they're not giving themselves that time to just be and take moments for themselves and just breathe. So, you know, going to have that cigarette is that time for them to just kind of ground themselves almost and, mm-hmm. and gra- like breathe into who they are. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, we could go on about, about <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah. But that's just like one, one thing that I have found, you know, with, with smokers is just taking that time. For oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's important for everyone. Even like I sometimes step away. I still do this. Like I have to step away from my computer if I've been like working um, for too long so I can like go outside take a walk or like or just breathe like just I don't I think people totally underestimate the value of breath work uh, 100% uh, it is incredible like it doesn't even need to be anything crazy where you're like chanting on a root on a mountaintop like you can literally <laughs> do it anywhere anytime um, but yeah so to kind of to wrap this up I know you just posted on your Instagram stories this morning, which I saw that you just (laughs) released the dates for your next retreat. So when are those? It is going to be July 13th to the 20th of 2019. I'm super, super excited. Yeah, I'm excited for you. And where can people find more information about you? Where's your Instagram and your website? Mm -hmm. So my Instagram is nina.passaro. And my website is ninapassaro.com. Amazing. Everything will be there. (laughs) Yeah, everything will be in the description um, notes or link. How do I even say this? What am I saying right now? All of her links will be in the description of of this episode. So that way you guys can easily find everything um, about Nina that's on the internet. Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you. Thank you.